Welcome into episode 72 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing today? We're doing well. Not not always. I'm, I'm usually here. I, I do have uh, an occasional absence. Uh, I'd apologize, but no, I'm not going to. Hey, life happens. I completely understand. No, no need to apologize there. We still had good content that got put out, so it was uh, it was worthwhile anyways. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, I guess we might as well just get right to it and hit, you know, hit it head on here. Um, Oklahoma State lost to Kansas State 31 to 12 in. How do we describe this one? Because I'm kind of at, I've, I've tried, try, you know, to rationalize it and try not to be, you know, sky is falling, worst loss I've ever seen. But it's hard not to go there when they played that badly. I would put this up as one of the worst losses of the Gundy era just because of how bad Kansas State has been this season. I agree. Uh, and especially in the second half, the absolute inability for us to do anything against them offensively or defensively against a team who's going to do exactly what you expect them to do and who did exactly what we expected them to do in that second half. Um, I, I would I would chalk this as one of the worst losses. And I, how do I put this? It's not one of the most – I think I've come to accept that this season is what it is. So while it's one of the worst losses, I don't feel like it's the most devastating loss. I mean, there have been far – like 2011 Iowa State, 2013 OU. Um, like I can think of I – mean, shoot, Central Michigan 2016. Yeah, the one like I, the I can think of losses that hurt more and like left me just bruised and battered for days. I'm – it's – you know, we're recording this Sunday night and I'm I'm kind of over the loss at this point. Yeah, I'm kind of over it too. I mean, yesterday I was pretty I was pretty upset, but not, you know, not because it was just a loss. It was just who we lost to and how we lost to them by. I think that's what did it more to me. You know, I picked Oklahoma State to win the game by about a field goal, but I t- still just had this inkling that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna win it. I didn't know why or how it was going to happen. I just didn't have a good feeling even picking Oklahoma State to win. And they proved, they proved me right to not have a great feeling about it. And so by, by now, I've just kind of accepted it. Thankfully, we have the bye week, and thankfully Oklahoma State can't lose during the bye week, so that's an improvement. And now we can just kind of enjoy the rest of college football without having to be stressed about implications of whatever. We can just watch the game and enjoy the sport, I guess. That's kind of where I'm trying to take this from a very optimistic standpoint. I mean, I'll probably watch some next weekend. I'm also oh, going to no put doubt. together a, a dresser for the nursery and probably aerate my yard because it needs to be done because um, it's the bye week and that's when I can do those kinds of things is when there's not football on uh, the Oklahoma State. I, I think I head into the week not knowing, not having high expectations for the rest of the season and kind of accepting that fact. Um, I put my 10 thoughts up on the site uh, for anybody who hasn't gotten a chance to go look at them. And my final point, and it still stands, and I, I want to make a few adjustments to it, is that something has to change. And there's two ways to look at that. Option one is you either make a change at quarterback, or option two is you change the offense. If you watch the beginning of that Iowa State or that be, if you watch the beginning of the Kansas State game, 
they had a slightly different game plan. It's like they listened. Um, Taylor Cornelius was trying to get the ball out more quickly. Um, they were doing things that second drive that was so great where they were tossing the ball out to uh, Chuba Hubbard and Justice Hill out in space, trying to get them room to run. And it was a different game plan, and it was a great game plan. And barring that ridiculous penalty, it, it should have got them seven points. But as the game wore on, offensively, it felt like plays went back to taking longer to develop, uh, and that they were going back to the Mason Rudolph offense they've been trying to run a lot this season. And as we have seen, Taylor Cornelius is not Mason Rudolph. He's not accurate on deep passes. That's not where he is his most effective or successful. And yet, for some reason, they continue to try and run that offense with Taylor Cornelius. So one of two things has to happen moving forward. If they're going to keep Cornelius, that's fine. But you have to change the offense to fit him more effectively. If you want to continue to run this style of offense, you have to make a change at quarterback because you're trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And I don't care how many times you jam it and jam it and jam it, it ain't going to go in. Yeah, like I, I describe, like I love that analogy. I described it just as the definition of insanity of doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And they, we've seen them try the vertical passing game, you know, consistently all season with Cornelius, and it just has not worked. Uh, he's made some decent throws, but it's not consistent enough to where I want to see him throwing the ball downfield all game long. That second drive was some of the best offense I've seen Oklahoma State run. They were, you know, using they were actually using the jet motion to actually get them the ball. We saw them get the ball to Chuba out in space, you know, get the ball to Justice, you know, get the getting the running backs involved in the passing game, short pass, short, quick, you know, slants and uh, curls to the outside to the receivers, getting the ball out of his hands quickly. It worked. And then they went away from it completely the minute they got down, rather than doing what the defense was giving them, which was kind of letting them do that in a way. And you know, it, it just it made no sense to me to continually try and throw the ball down the field and sit back in the pocket on timing routes when the offensive line wasn't giving him enough time to really do that. He was able to set his feet and make a couple throws downfield, but it wasn't consistent enough. And I think that's just the biggest problem is just consistency all season long. It just hasn't been there. And something like like I agree with you, something needs to change, whether it's a quarterback change or an offensive scheme change or something. I don't know what it is. Obviously, with the bye week coming up, they have the opportunity to make some of those changes and you know have the opportunity to come out against Texas with either a new quarterback or a new system or something. But I want to see something different than what we've seen the last few weeks. You know, you have to ask at this point, you know, that Oklahoma State's four and three. There's five games left in this season. Um, and there's not a a guaranteed win on that schedule. You get Texas at Baylor, at OU, West Virginia at TCU. So you kind of have to stop and ask the question, what do you want out of these next five games? Is it you just want to make a bowl game, um, have the bowl practice, finish it up hopefully with a, with a winning record, maybe seven and six, and move on to next year? Do you need to use the next five games to try and set you up for success moving forward over the next few years? Because you could argue that with how 2014 ended, it set Oklahoma State up into 2015 with momentum. And I realized that, you know, there's a big gap between seasons. And, and it's hard to have momentum from one season carry into 
the next. I really think it is. Um, but there is something to finishing on a high note with your season and, and how that leaves a team going into the next year. So, and with this, I mean, I made this point, Justice Hill, this is his last year. No one thinks Justice Hill is coming back. There's no way he comes back. So do you want this to be Justice Hill's last year? Uh, a four and eight, five and seven team that misses a bowl game? Or do you need to go look at the look at this team and go, we want to go to a bowl game. We need that streak to survive. We want to play to set up next season. So then figure out what it is you need to do to get there. You need to figure out what the goal is for the rest of the year because it's not a Big 12 title. It's not a playoff berth. It's, at this point, it's a bowl game. So what do you need to do to make that goal attainable? What you've been doing through the last four games isn't working. It's not. So something has to happen to change that. I know the defense didn't play well in the second half against Kansas State, but I kind of pointed back to 2014 where everyone wanted to blame the defense, but when the offense went three and out, three and out, or was ineffective and off the field quickly because it was pass, 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 the defense spent so much time on the field, what do you expect from them? Like I don't know if this defense is good or not. I think they have strengths and they have weaknesses. Um, one of those is... The, the loss of Darian Daniels, I think, really showed against Kansas State and I against agree. Iowa State because for two straight games I've watched offenses be able to effectively run it up the gut of Oklahoma State, especially in the red zone. But we could do 30 minutes on, on that issue. Um, what is the goal for the rest of this season and how are you going to attain it? Because doing what you're doing is not working. Something has to change. Yeah, you we have they have to find some way to get some momentum going into next season. And I know, like you mentioned, it's very difficult to find that. But we saw what happened from fourteen to fifteen when they kind of found the quarterback and found someone to kind of rally around and build around. And we saw what happened the next three years, having three ten-win seasons. And I don't know if it's necessarily a quarterback change or what it could be. I mean, I'm kind of at a loss of trying to figure out where the direction of the the uh, you know the team is going, and we're really at a crossroads right now because, you know, people, and obviously the fan base is kind of being irrational and losing their mind. And, you know, when you have the, the success that we've seen the last three seasons to lose the games we have this season, it is frustrating. And I want to see something different, but I just don't quite know what that different is yet. And I guess the bye week kind of gives us some more time to find what that is. I kind of get the feeling from quotes from Gundy and quotes from players and the body language of this team that, I'm not sure they know what the real problem or what the solution to that problem is either. I think everyone really believed coming into this season that they would have a good year. I believe Gundy when he said he thought this was their best offensive line in, in years. I think they really believed this was going to be a good team. And after the first three weeks of the season, that showed that. You started 3-0, and you beat Boise State soundly, and they headed into Big 12 play. And since that Texas Tech game, since, you know, the the beginning of the Iowa State game where you had the drop punt to turn into a safety. It's just the team has seemed out of rhythm, uh, befuddled. I, I don't want to say that Gundy seems aloof. I don't think that's fair. I think Gundy stays pretty even keel, um, which is great when you're winning and awful when you're losing because everybody wants him to freak out and act like he did, you know, when he was still young and screaming, I'm a man, I'm 40. But... I don't think they have an answer to the problem because I 
one of the biggest problems with this OSU team is penalties. These pen- I mean, they're they're averaging like eight a game in Big Twelve play. It's so over bad. seventy they yards. Have, they already have almost more penalty yards to this point in the season than they did all of last year. And, you know, usually I point to penalties towards coaching. You know, it's undisciplined right. football, and that tends to be coaching. But if you go back and look at Oklahoma State the last few seasons, last year was the least penalized. Oklahoma State team like of the Gundy era. They averaged the fewest penalties per game of the Mike Gundy era last year. And the last like five years, they have kept getting better and better and better. And then all of a sudden this season, you have an all, uh, a more than two penalty per game spike. That's drastic. That's not... I, I don't know if I can just attribute that to coaching. Because there wasn't a change to the coaching staff. I can't imagine... You know what I mean? Like, the biggest yeah. thing you could point to is that they lost a lot of senior leaders on this team who helped. I don't know. How how do you say that Mason Rudolph and, and, and James Washington and Marcel Leitman impacted penalties when, when you watch it? It's offensive linemen. It's special teams. It's, it's everything across the board. Like, I don't know if you can point to coaching and say, well, it's coaching's fault this way. I don't know what the problem is that this team is so undisciplined and – so mistake prone. I mean, literally, it kind of feels like OSU has gotten away with a lot of stuff the last few years and won more games than they probably should have. And now everything is kind of coming back around to say, all right, you've gotten a lot of breaks and a lot of things in games that you had no business winning. This is the year where it all kind of comes crashing back down upon you, which sounds isn't logical. It's silly. And it's there's no way to actually say that that's what's happening i just like i don't have an answer and i don't get from the body language from the players the coaches that they have an answer to this problem either yeah it seems like we're both kind of at a loss right now so let's try and sum something up of what's one thing you want to see coming out of the bye week when we play texas at home for homecoming what's one thing you want to see that's going to be different if anything energy i want this team to look i want them to come out energized and ready to go and i want to see when they get hit in the mouth for the first time and get down again, that they don't just seem frantic or or to buckle. I want to see a team come out energized, and and I just don't think I've seen that from this Cowboy team. I I don't see energy. I don't see excitement. I don't see. I do see on the defense some when they make big plays and they get sacks and tackles for a loss, but I just don't feel. A lot of excitement from this team. A lot of enthusiasm. I don't see it. I don't feel it. And I don't know. And I don't know. And I need to see that. I want to see a team that look, that look you see come out of the tunnel for homecoming. And see it in their eyes of, we're done. We're done with this. We're going to win games. We're going to go to a bowl game. The streak is happening. We are done losing. Nothing is going to stop us. And if they lose again, then, and but they've got that attitude... Maybe they're just not good enough this year. Maybe they're just not. And against Texas at homecoming, I mean, I, I, if you ask me right now, I'm, I'm going to pick Texas to win that game and by a bit. I think Texas is going to have a chip on their shoulder to beat Oklahoma State because they're tired of losing to OSU. Um, but I just want to see a team that has anger and energy and excitement and ready to play. And I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, I, have, I haven't seen that the last couple of weeks either. Like you've seen the minute that Oklahoma State kind of gets punched in the mouth and goes down, they stay down. And that's not something we've seen the last few years. We've seen very resilient teams the last few years coming back from games. I think 
how many games has Oklahoma State won where they've been down and tied in the fourth quarter? Like it's, I, I don't know the number, but it feels like a predominantly, you know, they've won those games. And, but the thing I want to see is kind of what we talked about earlier and alluded to, when we talked about that second drive that Oklahoma State had where the offensive philosophy kind of changed a little bit and they were getting the ball out of Cornelius' hands early and they were, you know, trying to run the offense to more of his strength rather than the vertical passing game that the offense is normally predicated on. I want to see them stick with what's working rather than try and play catch up when they're down and try and throw the ball down the field and get a home run play. Taylor Cornelius is not Mason Rudolph. He's not going to make that throw very often. Play to his strengths and try and succeed that way or make a change at quarterback to someone who can throw it down the field. I'm tired of the in-between because it does not work and it makes the offense look anemic. Yeah. No, I think that's... I, like, I'm, I ti- think I'm I th- tired of the in-between. And I yeah. think that's the thing that bothers me the most. I still don't think this team has an identity because what they thought would work isn't working. I get, It really goes back to, I think they thought they were better than this and they're not. And the, the benefit is you've got two weeks. Now, the schedule's not easy coming out of the bye week at all. There's, we've talked about that. Everyone knows this, but you've got two weeks to figure things out. And I, I have faith that they will. Now, if they come out and look exactly like this team has looked in the first half against Texas, then I mean, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna start getting myself ready to start writing about basketball and and women's soccer because I just mm-hmm. don't forget about wrestling. Oh uh, yeah, wrestling's coming up. That's true. And I would write more about women's soccer, but they're they've got so many injuries. Their season's going down the toilet real quick too. That's not yeah. really their fault. That's just injuries. I'm going to talk about women, OSU women's soccer. But man, I I want a reason to feel excited, and I I want to see an OSU team that's not that that's better than this. And I I don't. We've got two weeks, and uh, I think we're all kind of hoping that's what we see. Yep, and we'll get into this more a little bit later in the week. Like I said, we had the bye week, so we'll have a lot of stuff to talk about. We haven't quite figured out what we're going to do for that one yet. We might have a couple guests on, uh, but topics of discussion might get interesting considering one of the guests that's going to be on there. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I'm excited, though. It'll be fun. Uh, any final thoughts before we wrap up this one where I feel like we finished with uh, as many questions and not many answers? If you want to talk about recruiting uh, and people who want to point to why OSU not bringing in more guys? We mentioned Darian Daniels. Darian Daniels is out for the season, and we thought Enoch Smith would would be a solid fill-in. But Darian Daniels was the best player on on the defensive front, and his absence is obvious since he went out. Um, I really think it is. And where recruiting comes into play is, yeah, we can turn three-star guys into 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 five-star talents. I I believe that. The problem is that behind that guy you've turned into a five-star is a three. Uh, we're not bringing in fours and turning them into sixes or fives and turning them into sevens. And where you look at playoff teams where a five-star, you know, one guy goes down, the next guy steps up, and it's almost no drop-off. For Oklahoma State, when their best players get hurt, there is a drop-off behind them. There just is. There's not, the next guy is not, you know, almost as talented. It's just not there. Calvin Bundage has been hurt. Uh, it's been obvious. Darian Daniels is out. It's been obvious. Your secondary is good, but they're young. It's obvious. This this is where recruiting comes back to bite you. 
this is where recruiting is the issue. And I don't want to get on a rant about Gundy needs to do better. I, I don't know a squad about recruiting. I've talked to a lot of recruits um, for interviews. Man, I, I can't really tell you why one kid goes to one school over another. There's lots of things. Every kid's different. But this goes back to there has to be, it's got to be a bit better. Uh, it does. When, when Arkansas, who hasn't been good for a long time, is massively out-recruiting you, and I mean, they have the 16th, the 2019 class is ranked 16th in the country. It's Arkansas. Uh, they've, they've got more five stars than, or four stars than OSU's brought in the last like three years on one class. That's ridiculous. Uh, that's um, not good. They've that's... OSU has got to get more guys in there because we can't keep having Calvin Bundages and Darian Daniels go down and the next guy. And don't get me wrong, Enoch Smith's a good player. I like him. Devin Harper's a good player. But they're not of the same level. And you need to be able to have a guy behind the starter who's not as big of a drop-off as what we're seeing right now. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, we could go down a whole nother rabbit hole talking about recruiting and how that's gone. But I think you made a really good point there. And that's definitely something to consider. And I think that's played a lot into this season. Um, but I think we'll wrap up there. I don't really have too many final thoughts. I've kind of, I'm kind of at a loss for words. And quite frankly, we're kind of late in doing this. And my, I'm kind of, fr- my brain's kind of fried right now. So I think we'll just, <laughs> we'll just end there. And uh, hopefully I'll be a little more caffeinated and a little, uh, a little better and a little less sad moving into to Wednesday's episode. Yeah, um, I'm I'm gonna enjoy the bye week. I'm gonna get some actual like work around my house done. So it'll be good. It'll be a good week. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure there'll be some good football. I think I'll just spend time with my fiance and just kind of I, I I don't she doesn't have to worry about me uh, like having a you know an aneurysm or something like that during the game because she worries about me a lot whenever I'm watching <laughs> football. A little too much to be honest. No, that's 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 wives. It's fine. Oh uh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, Philip, where can I follow you on Twitter? Uh, follow me personally at OKTXAR Poke, Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. You can follow my podcast, the Ten Twelve, uh, at Ten Twelve Podcast. At the number ten, the number twelve, the word podcast. It's available on SoundCloud and iTunes. Uh, I can tell you this week's show is going to be a doozy. Uh, it's going to be a fun one. We are we're doing something for the first time this week, and I am. Uh, Really excited because there's only two Big 12 games this week. So uh, this was the time to do something that may be a giant disaster, but could also be uh, absolutely hilarious. So Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, do it this week. I'm uh, I'm excited to listen to it later this week. Uh, You can follow me at JT Penfield uh, for sad Oklahoma State takes and playoff baseball. And uh, you can follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, We'll recap this and then we'll have – some sort of uh, content up for the bye week. Thankfully, basketball is getting that much closer, so we'll have a little bit more to talk about. But that wraps up this episode. Thank you to all who sat through us rambling for the last 20 to 25 minutes, and uh, we will see you on Wednesday. We'll have a good conversation there, so stay tuned.